Drilling fluids touch just about everything in the drilling process. We're here to deconstruct the drilling process and drilling fluid concepts to provide a deeper understanding of our industry. In each episode, we'll share information, talk to interesting people, and maybe share a few stories along the way. Welcome to The Flow Line, a production of AES Drilling Fluids, brought to you by Matt Offenbacher and Justin Gautier. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Flow Line. Matt, how are you doing this lovely afternoon? I'm doing all right. I mean, it's getting cold, which I guess is maybe a good thing, although I hope it doesn't freeze, freeze for a really long time. <laughs> I think we're ready now, aren't we? The Texas ERCOD, we're good. I think we're ready because I bought a generator. And <laughs> if I hadn't, the grid would collapse. But now that I've spent the money, it's sort of like I've jinxed it. And now the grid's going to work for everybody. Well, I hope your jinx works because I didn't buy a generator. And so we've got a lot of those big double D batteries. And so for our gas fireplace to keep going, but yeah. we didn't, you know, we didn't do the generator thing. I hope we don't ever need it, but there's a good chance at some point in the future, Texas might freeze over again and I'll be sending you some smoke signals to see if I can come over. Cause apparently our cell phone towers don't work either when it freezes. <laughs> well, our house, we live in a town home. And my economic calculation was if my pipes freeze up top because I don't have heat in the house, it won't just be a burst pipe or a little bit of discomfort. <laughs> yeah, right. It'll be way more than whatever a generator costs. So no kidding. It was not a great experience. It's finally in. It <laughs> appears to test okay. But I hope we don't I hope I only have to do the weekly test. I hope I don't encounter the wide scale loss of electricity. Yeah. No, I hear you, man. I hear you. Well, at least for today, you don't have to worry about it because I don't think it's going to get below freezing. But in so. other news, on the drilling fluid space, we've got bentonite up to bat. You know, bentonite's one of those, you know, just old school tried and true products that has been around forever and ever and ever. I think if I had to guess, and I know I, you know, I, I got to dust off the old mud manual history book library, but before we had the introduction, like introduced bentonite, I think naturally that's how we used to make mud is what weren't the cows slopping around in the mud and, you know, therefore bentonite and it was creating a viscous kind of, you know, a mud. And then it was like, well, let's pump this down hole. And, and then it was like, oh, there might be a product we could use for that dried bentonite that we can put in a bag and sell it for a profit. And whoever came up with that genius ideas, you know, did very well. Yeah. I mean, it's actually quite interesting because I use that story in mud school and customer schools. It's like my intro of the story, the, you know, it's actually the story of Spindletop where they ran yeah. cattle through the, they noticed that when they were circulating around, when they actually picked up reactive clay while they were drilling, they didn't have as many sand cave-ins while they're drilling the well. Right. And so they were like, well, what if we just do it on purpose and pump that? And so they walked cattle through a, like a muddy pit and started pumping that to drill the well. <laughs> and the rest is history. Beautiful. Well, no, I think it's a good topic. And it's, again, it's just something we use on almost on every single well, you know, especially on surface, every spud mud that I know of, aside from maybe like the odd, you know, MMH system. But at the end of the day, I would say 95 to 99% of spud muds generally are bentonitic water-based and bentonitic based muds. Fun story, MMH, also bentonite. That's a good point. It's yeah, a you different... can't get away from it. You can't. There's no avoiding it's... it. So, but it's a good point, Matt. So, but it's a different type, I believe, right? It's 
So it's untreated. We'll, we'll untreated. unpack all that. Yeah. Ah, okay. I'm jumping ahead. I know, but good catch. Well, good catch. The excitement with Bentonite. I mean, I can understand. Right. Yeah. So Matt, what, okay. So let's describe it. What is Bentonite at its purest form? I mean, so geologically it's altered volcanic ash, also known as a natural clay of smectite. Remember we talked about smectite being a really reactive clay. Sodium montmorillonite is the technical term. So it's super water absorbent. And, you know, if you flip through an old mud manual, most of them will have, you know, the jar to show cleaver reactivity where it's like, here's bentonite and here's bentonite, you know, four hours later, and you can see it's swelled up in the whole, you know, the entire beaker or whatever, because it just, it can absorb so much volumetrically because it has these clay platelets and it lets the water in between the platelets and then just sort of fans out. So that's bentonite. And then, you know, kind of jumping into what you were getting to, we have the sort of untreated bentonite, but why do we have untreated? Because we also have treated. Now, the reason to treat bentonite is to help with dispersion. And the process to do that is called peptization or peptides, but it's, you're basically treating it with a polymer to help it more smoothly disperse. So treated bentonite has already has something on it effectively untreated doesn't have that. And, and part of the reason is you might use it in cementing or something like that, where it could be exposed to a high pH, for example, or some environment where the peptization products don't respond well. So you don't get the benefit. So that's sort of the distinction there. The other thing I'll say about bentonite is it's a natural clay, right? So it's very environmentally friendly because you're basically using dirt to drill dirt. And that's why we, you've already mentioned spud muds. It's the perfect thing to drill surface and protect the water table. You know, you can use other stuff further down, but bentonite based muds just make a lot of sense from that perspective. Nice. No, I mean, I think it's good to distinguish the two because, you know, a lot of times when we add it at the rig on a typical spud mud, it's just bentonite is, you know, it's gel. It's just, it is what it is, but there's, there's a difference, right? And it's, it's important to know, but Matt, so let's get into the applications and stuff that if you're, you know, a mud engineer or someone that's been on a rig, you're well familiar with, what would you say is that the biggest reason why we would add a bentonite to a drilling fluid? I mean, it gives you viscosity and it gives you fluid loss all in one. Double you know quick and easy. And that's why, you know, you can make up a mud fairly quickly and you can make up a large volume of it as long as you've got everything in place. Cause it does need, you know, some time to hydrate, but otherwise makes mud thick, great suspension. It can help stop those sand cave-ins that the old timers were dealing with. Yeah. It does provide, because it provides good filtration control, it, it does provide a little bit of lubricity too. Absolutely. I mean, you know, if you've ever, you take the API fluid loss of a spud mud, for example, no matter what the number is, you feel that cake and it's pretty fit. It's pretty slick. So yeah. it does, it does help a little bit with slicking up the wellbore. Yeah. Matt, I'm sure, well, maybe some of the folks have heard the term slop, but how would you describe the term slop when it, in its relationship to, you know, bentonite or gel systems? Well, slop, I would say is pretty much a gel system that you kind of flocculate a little bit. So you get those platelets to sort of stick on one another open-ended and it helps in this case, it sort of helps coat some of the salt you're drilling through the famous sprayberry slop. It sort of helps you manage a reactive system. The other thing that I don't have in here is, you know, you can put bentonite in a dispersed system or when you break over your gel system, what happens is you disperse those platelets into individual little pieces as opposed to stuck together. 
And what happens when you do that is you actually get, it actually helps you form a filter cake. So you can actually throw in a little gel in a disperse system. And in that case, it's predominantly just going to give you fluid loss because the clay platelets aren't stuck together to provide viscosity, but they do help form a really nice seal. So a little bit of clay can go a long way in that application. A little bit of clay can take you a long ways. I like that. So what are some of the advantages? I mean, it's like, clearly you've listed a couple of them, but it just seems like, you know, it's got a bunch of advantages. It's versatile. You can use it for a number of different reasons. I mean, what else is there? I mean, it's cheap. And the other thing is you can transfer it in bulk, you know? So from a handling perspective, you can move it around to build a lot of volume on location if you need to, you know, that sort of thing. So it's just for basic wells, or at least basic intervals, let's put it that way. It's a very simple, straightforward, low-cost product to use. Disposal options, or you, you know, you usually have plenty. So it's just, it's so flexible, flexible and versatile and environmentally friendly that, you know, if only it could solve our problems further downhole, right? Yeah, no, that's so true. And it also acts as a good patch or putty. I don't know if you've ever yes, had the You're the packing chance. gate valves and all that. Yes, yes. I could never figure out why when I was a roughneck, the dairy can would say, take this big bucket of dirt, put a little bit of water in there and then slop it onto this part of the mud tanks. And of course, I just, you know, I got paid from the neck down, meaning I got paid to do what I was told and not to think. But now right. that I'm, you know, a drilling fluid connoisseur, I was like, ah, I get it now. But yeah, you, you could use it to like patch up your mud pits basically and, and seal things off. But, and then they actually use it too for, you know, again, being the city slicker that I am, you know, back when people would call me and, you know, our company would dish me the random sales stuff that I would have to deal with. There would be some random person calling that needed however many tons of gel at some remote location to patch up their pond. And I just could have not figure out why, but now I get it. It's, you know, you put a bunch of gel at the bottom of a pond and you get to hold water in your homemade pond, I suppose, is the goal there. Yeah. Yeah. All, all sorts of fun ideas with gel. I don't know. Do you got any other cool ideas with gel? Let me know. I'm all about it. It's got a ton of uses. So I'm, <laughs> I'm at home, but I'm watching you over the Zoom link. Yes. And I can see old uh, Eldridge going on behind us. And yes. yeah. they're doing all that. I, I don't know what they're doing, but I think it involves the reservoir. And, you know, they'll have mud tanks and shakers out there and everything. And Sure enough, they're cutting sacks of gel every once in a while when I drive by. Well, whatever they're doing is taking a heck of a long time because they've been there since I think we moved into this office building, which has, I don't know, been almost, what, six, eight months now? Yeah, <laughs> it's been no, a while. I mean, even long before that. So, I mean, no, it's, it's one a message good... is Bentonite has a ton of uses, even in construction. Yeah. The other message is construction guys, like, wrap it up. Yeah, right. Yeah. If you're listening, construction guys on I-10 and Eldridge, it's time to go. We're jamming up traffic when we're on our way home here. So Matt, you know, with every product comes a little bit of limitation and then there may even be some disadvantages here. Matt, can you think of any that the listeners would need to know? I mean, it's a hydrated fluid. It doesn't handle solids very well, right? So you're not going to drill a really reactive formation with it. Well, that's unrelated, but it doesn't handle solids very well. Your rheology can run away on you. So like, it's not something you're not going to drill a 14 pound gel mud, right? Like most of the time you're relying on drilled solids or something to wait up. And once you get past that, it's just time to move on, which is why you break these systems over into something else. I got into the reactivity, you know, any of those sort of wellbore challenges, bentonite can only take you so far in some of the, for example, if you want to drill with like a salt 
you know, a brine base or something like that, bentonite doesn't hydrate very well in that or at all. And a lot of times you even have to prehydrate it and, you know, you, you've got to be on the clock, right? You've got to get your gel in your tanks 24 hours before you start to make sure everything's fully yielded. And so you, the fluid's got the right properties when you get started and, you know, spudding moves fast. So that can be a bit of a disadvantage. And the other thing is it flocculates, right? It's a swelling clay. And therefore, if you drill through anything or have any other contaminants, it's not going to play very nicely with them. So you'll get this huge viscosity hump. And so you normally end up having to break the system over into something else. Mm -hmm. No, in a system like this, it can be pretty finicky too. And especially if you're, if once you start drilling deeper and it's hot, if your mud gets dehydrated and you have a pretty high clay content, it can get really sticky down hole. And so it's one thing is, is always making sure whenever you've got a, a gel based system or a bentonite based system is making sure that you're, you're well hydrated. And there's a lot of signs and things that'll tell you you're starting to head in, in the direction of getting dehydrated. But that's one thing that, you know, again, it's easy to run, but if you all of a sudden kind of turn a blind eye for a little bit and it gets hot and starts to get dehydrated, there's gonna be a lot of people wondering what the heck's going on down hole because it's gonna start getting pretty sticky. And then on top of that, you know, if it gets too dehydrated, it can get real thick and you know, ECDs, blah, 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 you know, where that goes, which you know, elevated ECDs, you you can ultimately blow the bottom out. And when you're drilling shallow, it's typically it can be unconsolidated. So you pretty just you gotta be careful. Yeah. So it's and again, it's not common, but it's just something to be mindful of if you're drilling with, you know, especially, you know, any water-based mud system, but especially if you've got a high clay content is making sure you're, you're always hydrated and well hydrated to avoid any issues from happening. Cause it'll, it sucks the water up. And when you're yeah, drilling along, it can happen. So, but besides that, you know, it's just something to be mindful of. And Matt, I can't really think of, of anything else. That's just, you know, something we really need to address or discuss. I think you shared a good amount of information related to just bentonite itself. And, I guess the last question, Matt, is, you know, how many, there's a bunch of different sort of water-based mud systems that kind of revolve around gel-based muds, but, you know, you have your typical, say, spud mud. Are there any, like, say, high-performance water-based muds that would have a gel base to them? No, I mean, you might break something over, but keep in mind, if you're trying to inhibit a reactive clay and you have a reactive clay in your mud as part of the base, you're yeah. going to spend a lot of money on amines that disable the effect of your or amines or whatever inhibitors package you've got. You're going to spend a bunch sticking to the products that you put in the mud system and you haven't even addressed the formation yet. So it become a very expensive thing, which is why most of those systems are polymeric, right? We have our maybe a little bit of KCL and then polymers and, you know, Bayrite to weight it up. And that's that. But if you have any gel to help with fluid loss, it would never be more than about five pounds per barrel. Right. Yeah, no, it's a great product. Like I said, it's cheap and it's it comes in abundance, but it's really limited in terms of if you're trying to build a system around it. It's really good for spud-ins, maybe some of your upper holes, anything shallow, you could probably get away. But you know, once you get deeper and into where you need a little bit more complexity to your system, you typically convert over to something else. So, but again, it does its, you know, it's a great product and it's something that's been around forever. And probably will be for the rest of the time that we drill for oil and gas and, or even drill underneath rivers and lakes for HDD stuff. You never know. Yeah, no, I agree. Good stuff, cheap, but it'll help you cover the basics and then you need to be ready for a more tailored mud system. 
Right. Matt, do you know where bentonite comes from? Because you've always heard term Wyoming bentonite. Does it actually come from Wyoming, Matt? There's huge mines in Wyoming. That would have been an interesting, fun fact to have dug through is like overall global production. But obviously, Wyoming bentonite is one thing. I think somebody told me, and this could be a total lie, but that when they mine it, the untreated bentonite they get it from, I think, the upper layers because water washed through it over time oh. and took out some of the impurities. And then when you go to the like stuff that you're going to peptize, you take like the lower layers. Interesting. And that might explain the cost difference. There was something, I mean, I could be way off on that, and but you just reminded me of that. Otherwise, <laughs> I would have done my homework before this episode. Anyway, no, okay. if anyone really wants to know, I'm sure Google probably knows. And if not, we could always do a, you know, a part two to our bentonite conversation here. But with that said, Matt, I don't have any other closing last words or anything to bring up. Matt, anything else before we let everyone rock and roll? I think this is as fascinating as bentonite gets. So I think I'm going to, I'm ready to call it here. <laughs> okay. Well, for the listeners, please, if you could leave a review, subscribe, Reach out to us on LinkedIn. You can connect to us. Connect with the AES Drilling Fluids LinkedIn page. We've got a YouTube channel. We've got other social media channels, Instagram, Facebook, I believe Twitter. I don't know if we're quite as active on there. Although, you know, please support and yeah, just be on the lookout for continued content throughout the rest of the year. And if you want to be a little bit more on the email side of things, you can email us at the flowline podcast at aesfluids.com. And if really, if you have any questions or if there's anything that you've come across or have heard lately on the drilling fluid side of things, please reach out or message us and just ask the question. We love creating episodes based on listener feedback or questions. Yes. With that said, take care for now. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Thanks for listening. Please tune in next week for another exciting episode of The Flow Line. And remember, may your returns always be full and your trips always smooth. Views expressed in this program belong to participants and not their employees. The program is for informational purposes only and cannot take the place of seeking professional advice. Copyright AES Drilling Fluids.